Hello, welcome. This is Minister Ginger London. Welcome to the show. And tonight's topic is don't lose sight of the vision. So do you have a dream or a vision that God has given you and you are uncertain about how to get there or you're in transition and so forth? The directions have been clear, but now the direction or the vision is unclear. If you answered yes, to any of these questions, and I want to encourage you to not to lose sight of the vision. On this on this uh, particular show and teaching, we're going to use um, the story from the Bible about the blind man that was brought to Jesus, and Jesus touched him the first time, and he couldn't see clearly, and so he had to touch him a second time before he actually was able to see clearly. And then we're going to use a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy that talks about you've been in the same place too long. And so if you're at that place where you have lost sight of the vision or you're losing momentum or everything, or things are not are getting, have become a little fuzzy for you uh, right now, then this is the, the teaching that you need to be a part of and listening to, taking notes because I'm going to give you some nuggets from the scripture to help you to regain focus, regain your sight, and then to boost your momentum so that you can continue on and finish out this year strong and not drop the ball on your vision or give up or lose hope or make a determination that uh, maybe this is not for you to do um, at this particular time. But I want to encourage you uh, to continue on in what God has uh, called you to do. And so we're going to get right into uh, uh, the teaching uh, for this today. And so if you're uh, following along, I want you to take out your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 8. And um, we're going to um, uh, go to verse, uh, we're going to go to Mark chapter 8. And we're going to begin in verse 22 and we're going to read uh through to uh, 25 so that we can see what it is that um, the Spirit of God is saying to us on it tonight as it relates to uh, not uh, losing sight of, of the vision. Uh, amen? Amen? So let's get right into it. Verse uh, 28, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Mark chapter 8, verse uh, 22 says, um, then he came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees uh, walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everything clearly. And that's the place that um, we want to get to on tonight. We want God to touch us again so that our sight can be restored, so that we so that uh, we will not uh, be seeing things that are distorted, but that we can clearly see what it is that God wants us to see about the vision that he's entrusted to us. And so let's take a look at uh, the scriptures and let's... Uh, see what what is going on in these scriptures in the scripture beginning in verse 22 it says that then he came to Bethesda and they brought a man uh, a blind man to him and he and begged him to touch him so here is a man that was brought to Jesus and the men that brought him to Jesus begged him to touch him and so what has happened is 
right now, when you read this passage of scripture, you see that that these people were actually um, hungry and thirsty for what God could, what Jesus could do for this man. They wanted him to be touched uh, so badly that they brought him uh, to Jesus. Amen. And sometimes we need intercessors or we need people to go to Jesus, to God on our behalf, who will be able to say, God, I know someone who needs another touch from you. And once uh, that person takes us to Jesus, then we need to be open to what it is that God wants to do. And so the scripture says that when they brought the man to him, he took him, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. So the first thing that Jesus did for this man is that he took him by the hand. And what that means is that Jesus took him uh by the very thing that was being used in his life to uh guide him and give him direction and to take him to a place where he was he was used to being led by people with by his hand. So Jesus took him by something that signaled to the blind man that he was about to go somewhere. So in addition to uh, releasing his hand to Jesus, the blind man had to believe by faith several things. And the first thing that he had to believe was he had to believe by faith that it was Jesus who had his hand. Amen. He couldn't see Jesus. He didn't have sight. All he knew was that his friend or some men were taking him to see a man that probably that he had heard about um there may have been some talk about Jesus throughout the city, throughout the town. And so he knew that they were taking him somewhere to see a man that he had heard about. He had never seen Jesus. So when he got into his presence, he had to believe by faith that the hand that had, that, that person that had his hand was truly Jesus. And so the blind man uh, had to trust that. And so once there, and Jesus took him by the hand, the blind man had to believe that it was Jesus that who had him and it um and that's it's the same thing for us, and it's the same thing for you, that when we are desiring a touch from God, we have to believe that when we are led by the Spirit of God, that it is truly the Holy Spirit that is leading us. The Word of God says that our times are in His hands. So we have to believe that not only are our times in His hands, we have to believe that the vision that He has entrusted to us also in His hands, and that our next steps are in His hands as well. The next move that we make in reference to um, the, the what he has called you to do and the, the vision that he's given us that is actually in his hands. We have to believe that the clarity of vision is in his hands, that, that we're going to be able to see more than what we see right now. We have to believe that it is truly in the hands of God. And so the second thing that the blind man had to believe by faith was that Jesus knew where he was taking him. The Bible says that Jesus took him out of the town, or some translation says out of the village. And so that means that Jesus led him outside of the place where he was comfortable being blind. And so if you believe in God to restore the vision or to restore your sight or to bring you clarity um, uh, in knowing what he has called you to do, then you have to understand that there are times that he's going to take you outside of the comfort zone or outside of the place that you're used to being blind or you're used to uh, being not able to see clearly what it is that he's trying to show you. And then uh, to him, when he, for the blind man, he, when he was in the city, when he was in the, the village, um, however your translation describes it, that he was uh, where everything was dark to him. So God had to take him outside of the darkness and move him to a place where a supernatural thing was getting ready to take place in his life. He had to um, uh, 
normally when you're were in that comfort zone or for the blind man when he was in the, the city where everything was dark for him, he had to wait for somebody to take him somewhere. He couldn't go anywhere. He could, can, uh, of course, if we were talking about today, he couldn't drive a car. He can't. Uh, he can maybe call a cab or something, but he still has to wait uh, for somebody to take him somewhere. And it was the same thing back in biblical days. This blind man had to wait for um, somebody to come and take him somewhere. And usually, that is the case when you can't see the vision clearly, or you don't really uh, understand what God is doing in your life. In your life, then there at times what happens is. You're waiting on somebody to come and take you somewhere or you're waiting on somebody to come and give you instruction or direction or to tell you what they think about it or how they or what their uh, feelings are, what you should be doing or what or what to do. And uh, sometimes those things are good, but not all the time. So usually when, when you're in darkness, what's happening is you're waiting for somebody to come and take you somewhere because you can't see your way out. The blind man couldn't see it, couldn't see. So he didn't know how to get to Jesus or he didn't know how to get uh, in and uh, around the city. Somebody had to take him. And so usually uh, they take him by the hand. So for us, the Holy Spirit has to come and take us outside of the town or the village or your comfort zone. It's the place where the vision has become dull or completely left your your sight or your mind. The Holy Spirit now has to come and take you out of that place because you've become too comfortable in not being able to see clearly, not being able to hear the voice of God speak to you about the vision or you become comfortable with not being able to uh, uh, take uh step out by faith and take the necessary steps. You just keep repeating the same patterns over and over again, or you keep doing the same thing. So you're comfortable in the darkness or the lack of clarity, or you're comfortable in not seeing the big picture, only the portion of the picture that is in front of you at the time. And so he comes to take us outside of the place in life or in ministry or in business where you have been feeling your way around. Most of the time when blind people are trying to get somewhere, they have to feel their way around the house, feel their way around outside, and they, they count their steps or they have a walking um, instrument that helps them to feel around. And so they become used to uh, how many steps it takes before I get to the flower pot or how many steps it takes before I get to the sofa or the chair or to the door entrance. And so a lot of times we've lost sight of the vision, it's because, or we in darkness as it relates to the vision, we start feeling our way around. And what we do is we start, um, uh, we, we become, oh, let's say, I, I should say we become uncertain. Uncertain, we start uh, trying new things, you know, uh, there's no direction. And so we start uh, trying to make things happen, you know, on our own. We come up with these ideas that we say, oh, well, this will make it work. and Or, oh, I saw somebody do this, I'm going to try this. And so eventually what happens is you're just feeling your way around, but nothing is getting accomplished. You're not uh, doing anything major towards the vision. And I've been there where I've been feeling my way around and uh, uh, trying to grab on to uh, ideas and concepts and uh, practices that I saw other people doing, but, you know, it didn't work for me, you know. And so when you're at a place where you're feeling your way around, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. And so outside of the place where uh, you're waiting for somebody to take you somewhere, you know, that's the place where God has to bring you out from the place where you're waiting for others or somebody in particular um, to take you somewhere. We we know that God opens doors that no man can close. We also know that God, uh, the promotion comes from God. And we also know that God works through his people. 
But there are times when some of God's people just outright disobey him. There are people in your life and in my life that knew that they were supposed to do certain things to help us cast this vision and carry this vision out. And, they're, and they blatantly outright did not obey God. And sometimes we become frustrated by that, but you have to remember that when there when the pe when there are those who disobey God in helping you, there is also something God has that will obey Him. And so there are people that were assigned by God to help you or and to help me who just didn't do it. You know whether they forgot to do it, whether they did, didn't do it because of their own um, personal insecurities, they didn't do it. So now my prayer is that my prayer for you is that. You can be granted favor, and favor is when God raises up somebody to use their power and their influence to help you. And so if you're trying to um, get clarity for the vision or you're trying not to lose sight of the vision and you are disappointed or discouraged because there were people that um, – uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say that there are people that should have helped you because in the body of Christ, we're supposed to help one another. And there are times when God sends us to help people and we don't do it or people have been assigned to help you and they just didn't do it. Well, now you have to say, God, I no longer depend on them, but I still pray and believe. I still believe and pray that you have somebody in the body of Christ who you can raise up who will use their influence and their power to help me carry out the vision that you've assigned me to. Your word says that no man is an island. We're all here to help one another. So there may have be, be some who didn't help me, but I know that you have a ram in the bush, that they'll step up to the plate without any question and help me to carry out the vision that you uh, have called me to. And so we need those people to come up. So we we don't need help from uh, the people who don't want to do it, we need help from people who want to obey God. And there are people who have been assigned in the body of Christ. That's their assignment is to bring you into maturity, to help you uh, complete the vision. Paul had people that traveled with him on his journeys to help him fulfill the call that God had placed on his life. And sometimes we become discouraged and disappointed because um, the people that we thought should have helped us, don't help us. So if you want clarity of vision, then get those people out of sight and then just wait for God to bring people into your lives that are going to um, help you. When we read on in the passage of Scripture, it says that once he took him out of the town, then Jesus had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him. So you have to expect the unusual for a supernatural move of God to bring clarity to the vision. This man didn't know what Jesus was going to do, and it was it's unusual for for it was unusual for him to spit and put it on the man's eyes. It's unusual for people to spit period on you, but God did something unusual that brought forth a supernatural manifestation of sight back to this man's life, and that's what I desire. That's what I pray that you desire for God to take. Uh, an unusual move and bring about a supernatural manifestation of the vision or the calling that he has placed on your life. So it, when you read the scriptures, it says that when he took him out of the, the town of the country, it took him out by his hand, H-A-N-D. But when he touched his eyes, it was, by, uh, it was with his hands, H-A-N-D. D-S. So, see, it doesn't take a whole lot to walk somebody out of something or to walk them to a location. But to restore a man's sight, he had to use his hands. He had to use the full capacity of his power. 
to bring back the sight to the man's eyes. So we have to remember that uh, uh, there has to be an intentional focus in restoring um, our sight back to the vision that God has given us. And God has to give us focus. That's why he says, I know everything about you, all the way down to the number of hairs on your head. So I know when you need undivided attention from me, from me, says the Lord. I know when you need me to not just walk you out with one hand, but you need me to touch you with both of my hands to bring sight back to your vision so your joy can be restored and so you can begin to see a clear picture of what it is that he desires for you to do. See, um, he would be, uh, you know, when Jesus touched him um, and gave him his sight back, it gave gave him the ability to be able to see where he was going. Remember, in the past, people had to bring him everywhere. But when his sight was restored, now he had the ability to see for himself. And that's where you and I need to be at a place that when God is beginning to manifest a vision, we need to be able to see for ourselves. In other words, we need to be able to go into the supernatural realm of God, into the spiritual realm, and see for ourselves what God is going to do with us and how the vision that God has entrusted to us is going to come to pass. It's okay for the prophet and the seer to speak into your into our lives at times, but there uh, should come a point in our lives where we need the hands of God to touch our sight so that we can be sure that what we're seeing is the supernatural move that God wants to happen in our lives. We need to be able to see the big picture, we need to be able to see our surroundings in the spirit realm because there is a great work that the vision has been assigned to do. And so we have to be able to see all around the vision, not just the, the success of the vision or uh, not just be able to see what God says the outcome of um, the vision is going to be. We have to be able to see all around the vision. In other words, we have to be able to see the steps that God wants us to walk to carry the vision out. We have to be able to see the plans of God, the strategies he's going to use. We have to be able to see who the people are that the vision um, is assigned to. And then we have to see the people that are around the vision. Who are the people that God is connecting us to to carry the vision out? So we have to be able to see the whole picture. And you can't see the whole picture when your vision is distorted is distorted or when the vision is unclear or when, you know, um, there's some uh, fog or dust in the, in the way of your vision, you can't see it um, unclearly. So Jesus is concerned about our sight. He's concerned about if we can still see the vision or the big picture or our surroundings. So, you know, uh, uh, the question is, have you gone blind or have you lost sight of the vision? And if you have, and then the, then the next uh, thing that you need is you need God to touch you again. You need the Holy Spirit to touch you again, to put his hands on your eyes, to breathe into your spirit, man, so that um, you can become uh, alive in your sight, you know. And so the next thing that happened after the after Jesus touched him, he says, you know, he asked him something. He said, what do you see? And the man told Jesus, I see people, but they look like trees. Walking around, some translations said. They look like trees walking around. And so what the man was saying is, you know, even though I can see, my vision is distorted. I know that's people that I'm looking at, but they don't look like they're distorted. They don't look like normal people. There's something distorted about them. They look like trees that are walking that are walking around. And a lot of time, 
or a lot of people have lost their vision. They don't know where they're going or they don't know how to get there. And so uh, we have to get to the place where we recognize when the vision has been distorted. When God says, what do you see? We have to be honest and say, God, I, I, I know what you once showed me. I know that you told me I was supposed to be a teacher of the word, but somewhere it got distorted. I'm not really seeing it as clearly as I did when I first got the call. Or I know you called me to preach. Or I know you called me to pastor. Or I know you called me to do uh, a nonprofit. And I was all excited then. But now when I look at it, it doesn't really look like the vision that you first showed me. There's something that's a little different about it. I I don't really see it clearly. uh, right now, I need to see it clearly, God. I know that there's a business that you wanted me to start, and I was excited about it, and I, I knew what type of business you told me to start, but for some reason, it doesn't really look like what you first showed me. It's not working out, or, you know, I know I'm supposed to get that promotion, but things are not looking like they're going to really turn out for me. Like, I'm really, am I going to be the one that they pick? Uh, for the promotion, you know, uh, I know uh, you gave me a vision to do a particular thing, but it doesn't really look like what you first uh, showed me. And so Jesus had to touch the man a second time. And when he touched him a second time, he said, uh, the scripture says that uh, the man could see the people, that his vision was restored and he saw everyone clearly. So if you're losing, if you've lost sight of your vision or if it's not clear for you right now or if it doesn't look like it's going to work out and you're losing a little hope or you're losing momentum, I should say, then pray for God to touch you a second time. Because once he touches you a second time and breathes on that vision a second time, then it's going to become clear and your joy will be restored, your excitement, your expectation that God is going to do something great in your life. Uh, and with your life will be restored. And once the vision is restored, then everything becomes clear to you. Uh, Once a blind man's vision was restored, I'm sure he said to himself or possibly said to himself at some point, you know, I used to be blind, and but now I see, right? So once the vision is restored or once your sight to be able to see into the supernatural realm um, has been restored, then we're going to go to Deuteronomy Uh, Chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, verses 6 through 8. Here's what needs to happen after God touches you a second time and your vision has been restored. In verse 6, it says, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go into the mountains of the Amorites to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to the Lebanon as far as the great river the Euphrates. Verse 8, see, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. The first thing that needs to happen when your vision is restored, you need to say to yourself, if you've been spinning your wheels trying to make things happen, I have stayed at this mountain long enough. You have to realize that the place that you were in and nothing was happening for you, your vision became distorted, you were uh, repeating cycles, you were trying to make things work, you were feeling your way through, trying to feel yourself upon a vision or feel yourself upon success. You have to say, I have gone around this mountain long enough. See, God is so awesome and he's so grateful and he's so merciful to us that he will speak to us when we have stayed in a place too long. 
as some of us, has, the reason why we have not seen the manifestation the way that God desires for us to see it is because we've been going around the same mountain too long. We've been repeating the same thing too long. And so he warns us or he um, He unctions us in our spirit. He speaks directly to us, you know, and uh, because sometimes we get stuck in a place or we become um used to the place or we become afraid of to leave that place because it's so comfortable because you know it doesn't challenge us to grow it doesn't challenge our, us to increase our faith and believe God for more or for the next level you know and uh it doesn't challenge us to grow and develop in ministry in business in our careers in our spiritual growth that that safe place doesn't do anything but keep us locked into a certain position and we're not moving and year after year, we see uh, the same thing going on over and over again. We see people getting uh, promotions on the job. We see people opening businesses. We see people flourishing in ministry. We see people uh, are starting online businesses and doing all sorts of things and carrying out some of the same visions and ideas that God gave us, but yet they're doing it, and, and we're not. Or Why? Because we're stuck. Because we're going around the same mountain over and over. And when God says you've gone around this mountain long enough, what long enough means is you have overstayed your assigned time. See, there are some places that we have been sent to, but sometimes we get comfortable in those places. And God has to tug us and say, I didn't send you here forever. I just sent you here for a season. And so he's saying you've been here long enough. You've overstayed your assigned time. And any time you've overstayed your assigned time, you are real close to overstaying your welcome. I don't know if you've ever been connected to somebody for a season or to a ministry for a season or been on a particular job in your career uh, for a season. And what you stayed there, um, you knew when you went in it was temporary, but you stayed there longer than you should have. And so what happened, things started becoming uncomfortable for you. Things started happening. You didn't get coworkers, didn't get along. People weren't participating, weren't acknowledging you or uh, stressing you out on the job. And you were trying to figure out what was going on. And God was tugging you, saying, you've been here long enough. I told you it was only temporary. So when you oh, when you stayed long enough, it simply means that you have stayed beyond your assigned time. And once you recognize that you've stayed Beyond your assigned time, then you have to do with it. Verse 7 says, turn and take your journey and go into the mountains. In other words, what you have to do is break camp. It's time to step out by faith and break camp. You have to you have to move out into the direction that God shows you. It's time um, uh, to show signs of turning away from the mountain and advancing, meaning moving forward in position. Uh, it means uh, moving to make something happen. A lot of times things uh, don't happen for us because we didn't make them happen. God gives us everything that we need, and sometimes we just don't step out in faith and do it. You know, but you're going to have to break camp. And I'm going to tell you from experience, when it's time to break camp, that truly is a challenge, and it is a test of your faith. You really, when you trust God, when you when um, God says, "I need you to, I want you to break camp. I want you to take a turn." And go another way. I want you to leave. I want you to go to a far country. I want you to go over here. I want you to call this person and, pre- and, and introduce yourself. I want you to present your business. Sometimes that leap of faith is extremely challenging, and it is a test of your faith. But when you do it, your faith level will increase. Um, I can remember uh, when God told me to step away from the uh, from my job and go into full-time ministry. Believe it or not, it took me two years to do that. All because I was trying to figure out how I was going to make it work. I was trying to come up with a budget. I was trying to um, 
uh, come up with a strategy, a plan. I even had a backup plan. You know, I had all kind of things going on, and even tried to tried to work those things and make them happen. And you know what? It just became discouraging. I started getting headaches. I started feeling uh, burdened, and you know, uh, hot, and you know, panicky, and everything because I was trying to uh, subsidize God's plan with Plan B, with an alternative plan that He didn't tell me to do. But once I took that step of faith and did what God told me to do, when I broke camp, in other words, then I literally felt a burden of relief um, off of my shoulders. I literally felt a relief off of my shoulders because I knew I was there for a season, that it wasn't a career, that it wasn't supposed to be permanent. And I was there trying to figure out, trying to do the job, trying to figure out how to do ministry. At the same time, I was getting burnt out. I would leave my job. I would go home. I would be too tired to write anything, couldn't come up with a lesson, because I was too exhausted. Because my energies, the bulk of my energies was utilized somewhere where I had overstayed. I had overstayed my assigned time and had overstayed my welcome. And so whenever it's time for you to break camp, if you if God gives you that direction uh, and your breaking camp might be different from mine, your breaking camp might simply just to step out and start the business. And you might you might uh be uh be told to do that even while you have a job. Yours might be to teach your first Bible study. Yours might be to go and plant a church, start a church. God if God has called you to pastor. Your your breaking camp might be taking a leap of, of faith, a step of faith, launching out into the deep and going to the next level to make the vision happen. You know, that might be yours. And so whatever it is, break camp. If if you need to break camp, break camp. And I promise you, when you trust God and break camp, what a, a wonderful, wonderful feeling. You're going to get excited about your vision. You're going to get excited about the, the business he told you to start. You're going to get excited about a promotion in your career or an advancement in your career, whatever it may be. So you have to break camp. Then he told them, go in and take possession of the land. Um. You have to take possession of the vision. You have to take possession of whatever it is that God has instructed you to do. And in order to do that, you're going to need some confidence. And so Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, he that began a good work in me will perform it until the day of Christ. You have to believe that whatever God has assigned you to is a good work that he's done on the inside. And so you need confidence to know that, you know what, God will never give me anything. That was that was uh, mediocre. He would never give me anything that's uh, small in nature. You know, he would never give me anything that um, I thought that was not that uh, was beneath me, or you know what I'm saying. That would, didn't have any value to it. Anything he gives you is great, and the way you know it is, he says in the scripture, "Do not despise small beginnings." And if God tells you not to despise despise small beginnings, that means even small beginnings are great. In the eyes of God, because when you are a good steward over the small beginning, it launches you into the a greater thing. Okay, who much is given, much is required, and so you have to build your confidence and believe that whatever God has shown you, that you are going to, that He's going to do with your life. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't let anybody uh, beat your confidence down or your self esteem. Hebrews ten thirty five says to hold on to your confidence. Don't let it go because if you just if you just endure it or tarry for a minute, that's a great reward that comes with you having confidence in what God is doing with your life. Then you're going to need some courage. He told Joshua in, in chapter 1, er, there's, if you read the entire chapter of Joshua, chapter 1, he talks about how to be successful. There are several times when he tells him, 
be strong, be courageous. If you're going to grab hold of the vision and do what God desires for you to do, then you're going to have to get some courage. You have to be strong. You're going to be courageous. You've got to do what he told Joshua. Uh, he says, be very courageous. That means that by faith, I believe that God told me to do it. I have the courage to do it, and I'm going to, and I'm going to do it. And so that's how you maintain sight of uh, control. Of, uh, when I say control, I don't mean over, like, God is not in control, but that's how you maintain control of the vision he's given you and the vision doesn't run rapid or you don't lose it or you don't lose sight of it. It's going to be through confidence, through courage, and then through faith to believe. Faith to believe that if God chose me to do this, if God instructed me to do it, and if I follow his plan, then I know it's going to work out, that I know everything is going to happen according to God's plan. So in once you have taken possession of the land, and it's yours. You, in other words, you have the vision in front of you. God told Joshua in chapter 1, he says, get your supplies ready. So the, we know that there's a time and a season for everything. There's a time where God gives us a vision, and we're, we're told to write the vision down, make it plain upon table, tablets for those that run with it, uh, that read it will run with it. It says, though it, um, uh, it tarries, it shall come to pass. So there's a time when we're writing the vision down. There's a time when we're we're pondering it and we're meditating, you know. But then there comes a time you have to get your supplies ready. So if you're at that place where you know, I know we're getting close to the end of the uh, of this year, but it's not too late to grab hold of this, the vision, and it's not too late to get your supplies ready, whatever that may be for you, you know, and your supplies or any assets that you have, and your assets are your gifts. Your talents, any knowledge you have about the, what God has called you to do, it's your actual calling, it's any relationships with, with people who can help propel you to the next level, um, that can put you back um, on the track of your vision, uh, that can help you uh, undergird and support you. So your assets are anything that will work in your favor to help you move in the direction that God wants you to move in. And sometimes we have assets that we have that we have allowed to lie dormant, especially in the area of our knowledge. God gives us an assignment and sometimes we don't go back and look back over our lives to say, God, now let me see what knowledge that I already possess in my being that I can use to help um carry out this vision. For example, if God told you to start a business and let's say you once worked uh, for a company and you worked in administration or you worked as a manager or uh, you worked in a supervisory position, but let's say your business is going to be totally different than the, the career uh, job that you had. Well, there's some knowledge that has, that has turned into assets for you from your the job that you once had or that you have now. So if you once if you are a manager and God is going to use you to start a business, so the assets that you have in your knowledge is you know how to supervise people, you know how to make schedules, you you know how to uh, de- uh, delegate assignments, uh, you know how to um, uh, put together projects, and you know what is needed to to carry the project out and to make it happen. If you were once an administrator, you know how to schedule. Uh, to schedule time and appointments and, you know, those types of things. If you were uh, once a CPA or once an accountant, you have bookkeeping knowledge that you can bring into the vision. All of us have knowledge or some assets that we have allowed to lie dormant um, that we can take and, and go back and evaluate and say, are there are there um, any skills or um 
training that I have that I can actually apply to my vision so that I can carry it out so I don't have to work as hard. Sometimes we overwork ourselves because we have so many things lying dormant that we don't make good use of. And so you may uh, at some point in your life uh, or before the year is out, I should say, uh, take uh, inventory of your assets. And what I mean by that, your personal inner being assets or your skills, you know, just like when you write a resume for a job, you list all your skills and things you're good at, what computer uh, software you're good at, you know, what you learned on previous jobs, you know, well, for the vision, do the same thing. Take, take a journal and say, here are the assets that I possess that can help me carry out this vision. I'm a good manager. I supervise people well. I get along with people. I'm a good office administrator. I know I have... Uh, I know a lot a lot about computers and computer software. I know how to design programs. You know, I know how to do uh, flyers and banners and whatever marketing things. I know how to do. I know um, I have good study skills, so I know that in order for me to prepare to teach my next uh, Bible study class or to preach the next sermon, let me take those good study skills that I had in school and let me apply them to this biblical practice of studying, so that I can be um, good. At what I do. We know that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we have to become experts, I say, you know, in whatever God has assigned to your life. Even if it's a Bible te- uh, uh, teacher of the word or if it's a preacher or if it's an evangelist, you have to become good or an expert at being able to do the will of God, the, the, what God has called you to do. So you have to get your supplies ready. Okay. Your assignment will require will uh require planning. So if you're at that place where you say, God, you know, I'm getting to the end of the year, it didn't look like I was going doesn't look like I'm gonna be able to uh accomplish everything that I wanted to accomplish uh for this year or um it doesn't look like I'm gonna do it uh exactly what I wanted to do, well fear not. Even if you don't have enough time to to carry out everything or that major thing that you wanted to do this year, you do have enough time to plan, to come up with a plan to make sure that it does get carried out. In other words, you have enough time to absolutely make sure that it doesn't fall by the wayside. So uh, whatever that is, Take take a uh, a planner out for next year or even for the end of this year and begin to strategize how you're going to come up with a plan. Like you might say on Wednesday, I'm going to set aside three hours just to devo- uh, to focus on planning a strategy to make this particular thing happen. Okay, so you will need to do some planning in order to regain a sight of the vision and regain uh, the momentum to get, make sure that the vision is carried out. And I encourage everyone, even for the year 2011, buy a planner. You need something that can help you track your goals and then your your success of accomplishing your goals. Okay, we need, you know, if you're like me, sometimes I have little scratch papers, and the little scratch papers are uh, uh, my to-do list. Well, that's not real good because when I want to go back to make sure – that I've done something, I've lost the scratch papers. So I had to get to the place where God's vision for my life was more important than scratch paper. So I actually buy a planner, and I look at the vision that God has given me for that particular season or time as it relates to the big vision or picture, and then I actually plan a strategy to make sure that I carry it out. So fear not if you haven't accomplished all of your 
your goals or haven't completed all your tasks for this year, you still have time to plan to carry them out. And so that's what you need to do, all right, because planning greatly affects the decisions that you make. Jesus said, what man will build a house and not count the cost? If you never plan to carry it out, it will never get carried out. And at some point you will reflect back and say, oh, I was supposed to do such and such. But you didn't plan to do it, so it didn't happen. So it, it planning affects the decisions that you make. You know, if you know that um, you have planned to set aside um, three hours on Wednesdays for devoted to studying, then when you carry that plan out, then you won't allow anything to interfere with that unless it's an emergency of some type. You know, but you won't allow just a TV show or a phone call from an old friend to get in the way of interfering with you carrying out that task, because that's how you actually uh, com- get the si- the uh, vision uh, completed or complete the assignment that's related to the vision. You have to plan for the vision to happen. You know. Some of the major conferences that we go to uh, in the body of Christ, those conferences are planned to happen. And some of them are planned for a year or two out, but they plan for these conferences to happen. So if you want to carry out the vision, if you want to regain sight and make sure that you're seeing everything as clearly as God desires for you to see it, then set aside some time before the year is out and plan to make it happen. Okay, because the quality of your preparation determines the quality of your performance. And I know whenever I plan something, if I plan it with um, with great precision, then the outcome is always spectacular. If I if I throw something together right quick or I haphazardly uh, plan something or put it together, then it usually it's usually not as successful. It's not. And, and it, you know, uh, even if I rush and try to pull a study together or if I rush and try to uh, do some type of, you know, if I'm asked to do an exhortation, I'll wait till the last minute or something. I can feel when I'm up uh, ministering, I can feel it in my spirit that I didn't do the best that I could have done or did I, that it didn't come across the way that God intended because I did not put quality preparation uh, uh, into the quality of performance that I wanted to see. So when you are carrying out the vision that God has for you, whether that's in business, ministry, or in your career, then you need to um, spend some quality preparation time and getting every uh, because the performance you want to see happen needs to match up with the, the preparation time. If you're going to be a good entrepreneur or successful business owner, uh, then you need to put some quality time in preparing to do that. If you want a promotion on your job, you need to put some quality time in becoming good at what you do on your job. Okay, so I'm going to give you seven important keys in planning. The first one is ask God for wisdom. Uh, In the book of James chapter 1, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it to you liberally and abraded not. In other words, he doesn't make you ashamed because you don't have the wisdom. Ask God for wisdom and planning. God, how do I plan this out? What are the strategies or the steps that I need to take right now at this season during this time of the year to make sure that I stay on focus, make sure that I'm, I'm right on target for where you want me to be? Key, number two, keep a daily planner, and I've already talked to you about that. That is, that's going to be crucial. Not only does it become your daily planner, it also becomes your daily um, uh, diary, if you will, because there are going to be some things. I know in my planner when I accomplish something and it turns out great, I go back like with a red or a green or some type of colored ink pen, and I, and I actually write the word great 
with an exclamation uh, mark behind it saying this was perfect. This was outstanding. So when I flip back just to encourage myself, I see those um, tasks that I completed successfully. I actually put something, uh, a word uh, with some type of uh, expression uh, marked by it to let me know that this turned out great. Number three, keep your daily planner handy and refer to it often. I've been guilty of that. I've had the planner in the trunk of the car when it should have been in my purse. You know, or I've had it at the house when it should have been in the car. And so uh, for the coming to the end of this year and coming into the new year, my goal is the planner is on me at all times. You know, because when God speaks to you, like I said, I normally will be, you know, uh, rushing around looking for scrap paper. No more scrap paper. I'm going to see the vision and handle it better than that. And so I'm a, a, uh, I have a, a, a nice planner that I got from uh uh, my spiritual father, Bishop Ivy Hillier, the success uh, planner, and uh, that's the one that I'm going to use. And so you need to find one that is a, that is that's fitting for your personality, for your vision, uh, for your success. And you know, uh, you may have heard this particular thing before, but I'm telling you, when God is moving on your behalf and when you pray for favor, there have been times when I have actually walked into stores like. Um, uh, Office Depot and actually been uh, blessed to walk upon leather planners that were selling for like thirty nine and forty dollars, and there was on sale for like five or ten bucks. So you know, and quality planners. I just see, the, I just have a different perspective on the vision of God. I I want to do everything in a spirit of excellence, and when you take on that mindset, God makes it possible for you to do just that. You know, and He blesses you, and those little small blessings like that will will uh, propel you into expecting great things from God, okay? Uh, number four, write out, write your plan out in detail. I mean, every, every every word that you need to put on paper, put it on paper. You know, write the vision down. You know, when you get a new plan or a journal or if you got an old one, go back, write the vision down, and then begin to write out your plan. You know, in every so many pages or Twenty every twenty or thirty pages. Make sure you go put the the vision on some type of label or something that you can. When you need to put it on the top of a page, you can you can label it on the top of a page and and be encouraged while you're going through this next uh, phase or this next stage of where God is taking you. Then number five, follow uh, follow it on a daily basis. So whatever you have planned for that day, make sure you do those things. Don't let anything get in the way or. Uh, Cause you uh, cause you to become distracted. You know, I know there's some emergencies in life, but if it's just something simple that you can do without, then make sure you accomplish your task first. You know, because you don't want the new year to be. You don't want to get into the next year and then find yourself at the end of next year having to do these same things. Catch up with the vision. You don't want to have to catch up with the vision. You want to be on target. You want to you want to make sure that you stay on track and that you're right in every step. That God wants you to take. Then number six, develop a detailed picture of your desired end and uh, a detailed picture of the word of God, you know, um, tells us that we're created in the image of God, in the very imaginations of God we were created. And so He, since we resemble him, we have the ability to imagine. And so whatever it is that God has shown you, whatever it is he has promised you, whatever it is he has assigned to you, begin to imagine, begin to see it. Go into the reservoir of your imagination and put a picture to it until, you, until it manifests completely uh, uh, the way God wants it to in whatever season you're in, put, 
Go into the reservoir of your imagination and see a picture of what God has assigned you to do. And then number seven, keep flexible for un, for the unexpected and then adapt to the plan accordingly. You know, God has some unexpected blessings for us. Even though it's good for us to strategize, it's good for us to come up with a plan, we still have to give room for the Holy Spirit to move as he wills. We still have to give room for the Holy Spirit to come in, change things up a little bit, or bless us or bless us with a surprise blessing or make something happen that we just didn't expect. And so leave some room in there for the Holy Spirit to do his thing and for to have an expectation that, God, I got everything down that you want me to, but I'm still open to whatever it is that you want to do with this vision. I'm still excited because I know that when you step in and do something, no matter what I have on paper, it's still going to be far better than even what I have on um, on paper. And so I'm going to give you, um, share something with you that uh, another one of my very uh, close uh, spiritual leaders uh, uh, shared with uh, some teachings of his. And so I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to talk about how to have, how to build a team around you because none of us are um, lone uh, on on the island all by ourselves and we're not long rangers and God does not intend for us to just be out there by ourselves struggling. You know, uh, there are some things that yes, we do alone. And yes, we, you know, go in the secret place for some things, but God, when Jesus, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent them out two by two. And so there are some people that God will connect you to, to help make your vision happen. And so we have to know how to actually build that team around us of people. We have to be able to discern them. And then once we discern them, we still have to be able to position them and be able to uh, to build the team um, around us. And remember I said earlier, there are some people who have been assigned to help you and they just didn't do it. There are some people who, have, were, who were assigned to help me. They just didn't do it. And for a long period of time, I spent a great deal of time trying to um, connect with them so they would do it or trying to make them, not really make them do it, but I tried to put myself in their, you know, in their sight, in their way, and so they could see me and, you know, maybe it will come back to their remembrance that, oh, you were supposed to help me, you know, or you promised you would open a door. So I had to learn and get to a place of resolving my spirit that I need to let God be in control. And it's not always that there's nothing wrong with you introducing yourself to people. It's nothing wrong with people knowing um, what gift you have or what your assignment is. You know, um, what you have to learn to discern is when people are not going to obey God. And there, there's a problem when you keep when you tarry too long with people who just refuse uh, to obey God. Or who I, I remember one time... Um, I, uh, God gave me an idea, and I was carrying it out, and there was a person that was assigned to help me with it, and the person actually said to me, why didn't God give me that idea? And I knew when I heard that, wasn't going to get the help I was supposed to get, and didn't, and didn't get the help I was supposed to get. Got some help, but it didn't go to the full extent that it was supposed to go. I knew when I heard him say, why didn't God give me that idea? Why wasn't I the one he gave the idea to? I was like, okay. So you have to be able to discern. You got to be able to hear in between the lines. You got to pray for a spiritual a, a spiritual discernment where God actually takes you into the supernatural realm. And I'm not talking about some spooky hocus um, uh, pocus kind of thing. I'm talking about a supernatural move of God where you can hear things that are not being said by people. 
and where you can discern their personalities and their spirits and know this person is not going to do exactly what God says uh, to do. So when you um, are building a team around you, you want to make sure that you have the right people around you. And the right people around you are going to be those who are different from the people who burn you. So we have to get to the place that we're going to carry out the vision, that we have to stop getting burned. A lot of times we get burned by family members. We get burned by friends. We get burned by um, coworkers. We get burned by um, a lot of people. And so we have to discern those people, and then we have to disconnect from the people who spend a lot of time burning us. And so a lot – just to identify two types of people that are burning you, you have dream stealers. You have the people who will sit, listen to your vision, let you write the plan out, get a copy of the plan, and then take it right from you. Right in from you, in front of you, take your vision and go and try to carry it out. Those are dream stealers. They didn't seek God for a vision. They didn't pray for any direction. They didn't pray for God to use them. They just sat back. They knew that the vision God had given you was a great idea, that it was something good, and that that thing is going to work. They sat. They watched you. They pretended like they were all for you. They watched you write it down. They watched you walk the steps out, uh, watched you uh, order your products, Everything, they know where you're getting everything from. They know uh, every move you're going to make. They know when you're going to uh, plan your first conference or your first teaching. And now they've taken it and they've run with it and they did something before you could actually do your first anything. They ran with the vision. Those are dream stealers. It's hard to endure, uh, to, to experience that, but you can make it past that because um, – there was a song, and the word in the song says, what God has for me is for me. Well, you truly have to believe that, that even though somebody might steal your dream, they'll never, ever be able to carry the assignment out the way that God designed for you to carry the assignment out. Because when God spoke to you about the dream, he wasn't speaking to them. They can only take what you have on paper, but they don't know what's in your spirit. So a lot of times we get hurt and disappointed and we kind of shut down. That's the time to kick it to the next gear. You know, that's the time to go to the next level. Let them do their things and say, God, I'm staying on track. Yes, she took my vision. Yes, she stole uh, uh, the dream that you gave me, but she didn't She didn't steal the anointing. She didn't steal the okay that you put on my life. She didn't steal your approval that you put on my life. She could only steal what I had on paper, or he could only steal what I had on paper. He took credit for that, that project I did on the job, but he, he may have taken credit for it, but he actually couldn't bring the project to, to uh, to fruition like I did So we it's, it's it's a little hard to get burned like that And then not respond in some way But when you regroup You have to stay focused and, and say God you have given me something greater Than any thief could ever steal from me So you have dream stealers And then you have dream killers And those are the people that will sit and listen to your dream And then they kill your spirit They tell you you can't do it They tell you it will never work They'll tell you that you're not the right color. They'll tell you you don't have enough money. They'll tell you you're not educated enough. They'll tell you that nobody's going to come hear you. They'll tell you nobody's going to buy from you. They don't want that. Nobody's buying those type of products. They'll tell you all sorts of negative things to kill your dream. And if they can kill your dream, it'll die, and then they will come back and remind you, didn't you say that you had a dream? What happened to the dream? Never mind, they killed it. But they'll remind you that you had a dream. So you have to discern dream stealers and dream killers. And you have to say, God, I disconnect from that. 
I open my spirit up for you to connect me to the people who have the right kind of heart and who have my best interest at heart. And in order to make that connection, you have to pray for character discernment. See, flesh people will tear you down and and feed into your fears while faith people will build you up and feed your faith. And that's what you want. You want faith people around you. You want people who, when when um, things get a little tight or when God tells you to do something and you're like, wow, I don't know. You want faith people to say, if God said it, then it shall come to pass. You need to do it. And you want people who can push you into the deep, even if you don't know how to launch into the deep. You want somebody who can nudge you. You want somebody who can remind you that God has given you a great vision and you have everything in you that can, to carry that vision out. You want somebody to ask you, have you lost sight of the vision? You want somebody to question you, not in a negative way, but in a positive way that says, I'm, I'm asking you that because I want you to remember that you have a vision from God to carry out, okay? Flesh people waste your time and drain your energy. So don't surround yourself. Don't build your team with people who will listen to your dream for five minutes and then bring up all of their issues to for the other 40, 55 minutes that you've been talking, that you're going to be talking to them. So they'll... Uh, flesh people will drain you. You know, they'll make it seem like they're all into your vision and they're all 100% behind you. And the minute you take a breath from talking, they zoom in and they lay all their cards on the table. And before you know it, you're no longer talking about your assignment. You're no longer uh, planning anything. You just simply consume with all of the agony that they're going through. And when you get up from talking to them, your spirit, man, is, is, is exhausted. Your spirit man is tired, and your spirit man, all you want to do is go to bed, and then you feel, then you're disappointed with yourself because what you should have accomplished on today, you now got to fit it into tomorrow. So uh, faith people are the kind of people who fill your life. You want people who can fill your life with words of encouragement, fill your life with prayers, fill your life with exhortations, fill your life with help. Fill your life uh, with uh, their assistance. The Bible says two are better than one. And one translation said because they have a great reward when they work together. You want people who can come in, see the vision, and then actually do something to help you carry that vision out. And whatever they do in your life, there's a reward that comes from them having been in your life. But in order to do that, you're going to have to develop power relationships. You know, you you need a relationship where life flows through the relationship. The power of God is flowing through the relationship. Okay, you know that, you know, I have a lot of um, uh, some power relationships. I don't talk to them every day, but the ones that I do know that I have, that when I call that person, I know that when I finish that conversation, the power of God will have shown up in that conversation, and that conversation will be fruitful. It would not be a conversation where when I get off the phone, I'm still trying to figure out who else I could call because I just did not get anything out of that call. No, I have power friendships or relationships that whenever I need to talk to somebody, I know that I can call one of them, and that's actually the power person that I need to speak to at that time, and then I can go ahead and talk about what I need to talk about, and then I can be settled in my spirit. Um A power connection is God's blessing for transition in your life. Power people help you transition to the next level. So people who drain you, they keep you uh, stuck. They keep you in whatever position they find you in when they want to dump all their stuff on you. But when you connect with power people, 
They are the blessing that God uses to transition you, whether it's them whether it's them introducing you to somebody, whether it's them telling you about a resource you can use in your business, whether it's them telling you about a promotion that is coming up at a, on a particular job or a job opening, whether it's telling you about some ministry resource tools you can use to make ministry a lot easier for you, whatever it is that they are assigned to do, in your life, when you make that, when they're in your life and you make that transition, guess what? It's a smooth transition, and it's always a transition to the next level. Power people do not pull you down. Power people thrust you forward and take you to the next level. And so power people in your life, but you also need a mentor in, if you don't have one to help you regain sight of the vision and to help you carry the vision out. You need somebody who's doing whatever it is that God has assigned you to do. And you need to be able to follow um, them as they are becoming, as they are successful in whatever they're doing. Paul said it like this: "Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Right? He didn't. He didn't mean lose your identity, but whatever you see me practicing as I follow Christ in this kingdom living, then that's what you need to do. So you need to find somebody that's a mentor that is doing the same thing that God has assigned you to do, and you need to begin to emulate. Uh, uh, imitate those practices that they're doing that brings them uh, to a place of success in ministry, in business, on in their careers. What are they doing that is working for them? That's that does not uh, cross the boundaries or go outside of the scope of the Word of God. What is it that they're doing? And then that's what you have to start doing. You know, um, so get some have a mentor or mentors in your life that uh, don't mind speaking to you. Sometimes you can connect with somebody and become a part of an organization. And when you become a part of that organization, there are times when everybody in that organization will meet up at a certain point and they'll learn certain skills and strategies uh, um, for whatever it is that that you're doing in life. If you have to do that, do that. There's some ministry organization, business organizations. There's all types of organizations and that you can become a part of that will help you to develop in whatever it is that God has called you to do. We're not all going to go to seminary. Everybody's not going to go to a four-year college. You know, uh, some people are going to be mentored into success. Some people are going to take uh, courses or seminars or classes, and they're going to be, uh, and that's going to be their road to success or to carrying out the vision. Do whatever you need to do that's appropriate for your life to make sure that you carry out um the vision that God has assigned to you. Um, okay, so then you have to be committed to come committed to your goal. You know, you have to make sure that every goal you set is of vital importance to you. And to simply say the vision has to be important to you because that's the goal is carrying and fulfilling the vision. Or you can you can say fulfilling my destiny, fulfilling my purpose in life, you know, whatever it is. You ha- it has to become important to you. And once it becomes important to you, then you will do whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that you carry um, the vision out. And then you have to make sure that every day you renew your commitment to it. You know, God's mercies are new every day for us. Then we need to wake up every day saying that we have a renewed commitment to making sure that whatever God has uh, planned for us to do, that we're going to carry carry out those steps, and carry out that vision. God has great things for us to do in, uh, in, this, in the earth today. And so before we get to the end of this year and before we lose hope, or if that's where you are, where you're on the verge of losing hope, or you are about to give up, and, or you are about to um, 
throw in the towel, if you will. I encourage you to make the vision important to you once again. And once it becomes important to you once again, you can do all of these things that I talked about on tonight. You can you can make the necessary steps that you need, take the necessary steps that you need to uh, take, do the things that you need to do. And so uh, I encourage you. That's a great work on the inside of you. God will uh, perform it until the day of Christ. He can make it happen. And we can be walking in our callings and fulfilling our destinies and purpose until Jesus comes. And if we do it the right way, we will we will really be fulfilled in in doing what God has assigned us to do. The Bible says that God does not bring sorrow to us. He will not make us ashamed that he's always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That whatever he has called us to do, he's going to bring it to pass. And then he goes a little bit further and he says, I will do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you could ask or think by the power of Christ that works on the inside of you. Even if we think about something that we can do in this vision, God can do something greater even than that. You know, it's greater than anything we can ask or imagine or think. God can do even greater than that. But we first have to say yes to his will, yes to what he has called us to do. We have to repent for uh, being irresponsible with the vision. We have to repent for not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. We have to repent that we have become distracted. We have become um unfaithful in carrying out the vision. We have to repent that we that we lost interest in the vision and that our faith was down and then our hope was down. We just have to repent of all of that and make a renewed commitment that God, I'm going to stay committed and my commitment is going to be renewed every day that I wake up. I'm going to be excited about the vision that you've entrusted to me. I hope that something I said uh, in this teaching has been a blessing to you, that you have heard of the Spirit of God speaking to your spirit, and that you would not only just be a hearer, but you would be a doer of what you've heard on um, uh, in this teaching. And so uh, at this time, if there are any questions or if you have any comments, if you're uh, in the chat room and you want to post a, a comment or a question, you're welcome to do that. And for those that are listening by phone, if you have a comment that you would like to make, all you have to do is press the number one. Um, on your phone, and it will notify me that you want to say something, and I'll bring you on live, and you can make the comment. And so I definitely would appreciate your feedback, because I love to hear how the ministry, the gift, teaching gift of God is impacting those that 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 experience it, experience it, and embrace it. So if you would like to say something, you are welcome to do that before we close. Again, if you're on the phone, press the number one, and it will it will let me know that you um, have something you want to say. Um, and if you're in the chat room. By all means, post a comment, and I would say somebody in the chat room said, good teaching. God bless you. Thank you. You know, so if you want to make any type of comment, you can. If not, we're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to believe that you're going to, that you will not lose sight of the vision, and that before this year is out, you will have a renewed commitment to the vision. God will give you strategic steps to carry out for the vision, and that you will actually walk those steps out, and that you will have a testimony before the year is out about some great things that God has done just because you took another step of faith to actually carry out the vision. Let's pray. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you on this evening. I bless your name, O oh God. I humble myself before you. Father, I pray for everything that has gone forth today over the airwaves. I pray that all that had an ear to hear heard what your spirit was saying on this afternoon. I pray that everyone that is listening um, by Internet or listening by telephone, Father God, that you would speak directly to their spirit. Father God, the Strengthen their spirit, man, so that they can uh, accomplish the great works that you have for them. Father, let them hear everything that you're speaking to their spirit. Calm their spirit, Lord God. Give them a peace that passes all understanding. But most of all, God, give them steps to walk out the, the plan that you have for their lives. We thank you that great testimonies and great reports are going to come as we find out about how they Finish this year out strong and how you move mightily and miraculously on their behalf. We thank you for everyone listening. I pray, Father God, that they will go in peace. Father God, that they will leave this teaching, but they will never leave your presence. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our comforter and you are our great teacher and you are our great reminder. You will bring things back to our remembrance concerning our lives and concerning the vision that God has assigned to each of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and thank you so much for listening. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.